0: You are listening to The Ride In, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James. Welcome, everybody, to the Open Championship edition of The Ride In, DFS, and Betting podcast. A one-week hiatus last week, right, didn't have a podcast for... The John Deere, because I was on vacation, still did put up an article on Fanshare Sports. We got the Lucas Glover top 10. Was very close to pulling the trigger on a Lucas Glover outright. Wrote him up as my first and most confident top 10 play. He just, I mean, he came out fourth in the model. Um, So I was really confident that he was going to play well. Glad to see him get a win. On the topic of a vacation, though, I just want to let you know, I mean, if if you're someone listening to this podcast who does not have children yet, or hasn't been on vacation with children yet, um, they need to come up with a new word for it, because it's not vacation. It's like 10 times the work of being home. You have to pack everything up. I mean, I have a five-year-old and a five-month-old. Half the house came with us, right? Pack and plays, bottles, formula breast milk pumps like it was and then when you're there it's not even as if uh, there's a minute to relax right the baby can't be in the sun so you're carrying around basically a potato covered in sour cream with all the sun lotion that he's got on never even saw the light of the sun basically he's in a bubble the entire time can't be exposed to the sun at five months old can't be on the beach for more than two hours because one of them has to eat one of them has to poo there's zero nightlife because they're both in bed before the sun goes down. Um, so they really need to come up with a new word for vacation uh, as a parent of of young ones because it is, it's not much of a vacation. You come back more tired than when you left. That said, they both had a lot of fun. Uh, my daughter, who's five years old, loved the boardwalk. Love going on all the rides, that type of thing. Um, even my son, he actually slept a lot better. I don't know if it was the air at the beach that uh, knocked him out, but he definitely slept better. You know, and it's, don't get me wrong. It was, a, it was an enjoying time. Love seeing my daughter enjoy it. I enjoyed it as well. Just wouldn't call it a vacation. It's more like teleporting your life and belongings three hours away for a week. And kind of doing the same thing, but you know, you're at the beach or on the boardwalk, but everything else is pretty much the same. No rest for the wicked. All right, let's get into the Open Championship. Royal St. George's hasn't been played here in 10 years, and that presents a conundrum for us because we really don't have a ton of stats that we can look at. Like if you're playing a tournament that you go to every year, or at least go to. Um, on a shorter rotation, you can kind of look at the strokes gain stats, you can look at who's played well uh, at that particular course, and it's a little bit easier to deduce who you like in that instance. Here at Royal St. George's, I mean, it's a link style course like Carnoustie, you know, like St. Andrew's, like Royal Troon, like Royal Portrush, link style course, but they haven't played a lot of guys haven't even stepped foot on this course. Uh, there are some that have played it 10 years ago. DJ. Lucas Glover uh, come to mind. Ricky Fowler played well at the last one. But a lot of guys have not played this course. Um, and here's the thing: I think this is going to be a lot less about um, stats this week in terms of specific stats relative to the course. And you'll, you'll notice in my model, I added a few things that I don't normally put in my model because I think uh, it's not going to be your typical stats-based handicapping from me this week in terms of strokes gain, right? Like there, there's still, I'm still going to have strokes gain approach, strokes gain off the tee, a little bit of strokes gain putting, strokes gained around the green, opportunities gain. Those five are always going to be in my model. Um, And then I did put in some things from St. George that uh, pertain to, you know, how the course lays out. There's seven or eight holes between 400 and 450 yards. That's baked in there. Um, There's a couple long par threes. That's in the model. There are all the proximities that I thought would be important are in the model. Fairways Gained is in the model because, you know, I mean, you know how it is at a Lynx-style course. It is, um, you know, very wide open. But if you're not in the fairway, there can be some some vicious fescue where you can't even find your ball, let alone hack it out of there. Um, so I think being in the fairway is going to be critically important this week. Some of the things that I actually baked into the model that I often look at when I'm when I'm reviewing or looking at uh, who to to play on DraftKings, who to bet. Um, I I take these things into account, but I don't put them in the model. I actually put them into the model. So there is a percentage of each of these four strokes gain total stats in the model this week um, because of the unfamiliar nature of the course. So Lynx style course strokes gain total. What I did is I went through the database at um, Fantasy National and clicked on every single link style course uh, that I thought was somewhat similar to Royal St. George. So that is a strokes gained. So there's strokes gained link style in the model. There's strokes gained par 70 in the model, right? That means there's only two par fives. There are strokes gained difficult course in the model. So I think this course is going to play somewhat difficult. So if a player is good on par 70s, if he's good on difficult courses, And if he's good on link style courses, they might pop a little bit more in this model. And there's also recent form, which I also look at, but don't necessarily put in to the model uh, in terms of it spitting out a rank. So here are the top 10 players in my statistical model. Number one is Colin Morikawa. Because I always wait approach and opportunities gained, pretty heavily. And in this instance, fairways gained is is uh, weighted pretty heavily as well. Morikawa is always going to pop, right? Elite ball striker is in the fairway a ton. His second shot is always on point for the most part. Um, so he's going to pop a lot. Uh, so he is number one. Kevin Streelman is number two. Jordan Spieth is number three. Patrick Reed is number four. Abe Anser is five. Victor Hovland is seven. Uh, Charlie Hoffman, I'm sorry, Victor Hovland is sixth. Charlie Hoffman is seven. Deki Matsuyama has withdrawn. He is eighth. Brian Harmon is ninth. Brooks Kepka is tenth. Tyrrell Hatton is eleventh. And Harris English is twelfth. Okay, let's break it down by, uh, you know, I like to go through and give you the top five in some of the more important categories. As of right now, last 24 rounds, who is playing. Uh the best from approach, well, it's Colin Morikawa. He ranks first in approach. Paul Casey, Emiliano Grillo, Rory McElroy, and Daniel Berger uh round out the top five in approach. Opportunities gained I think is gonna be important. Right? These greens are big. Usually Link style courses have large greens for the most part. Oftentimes there's different shelves to the green. Uh there's a lot of undulation. So opportunities gained, which means being close, right? Being within fifteen feet for your birdie, or being on the green for eagle, is important. Who ranks out well in those stats over the last 24 rounds? Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Jason Kokrak, Emiliano Grail, Victor Hovland, Jordan Spieth, Adam Scott, Stuart Sink. I also think that fairways gained, as I mentioned, is going to be important, right? You're not going to want... There's some courses where you can be in the the rough, right? Uh, That's when we use good drives gained in the model because good drives just mean you hit the green after your tee shot. Fairways gained means you're in the fairway. You've gained fairways on the field. You're in the short stuff, and that's where you need to be at Royal St. George's. Now, here's the issue. Fairways gained can be misleading because, you know, if you hit it 270 and you're in the fairway, sure, that's an advantage, but guys that can hit it 290, 310 and be in the fairway are the guys that you want to take uh into account a little bit more than than just the guys that are just hitting it straight. The way you can kind of weed out the guys that are just hitting it straight and short. Now, don't get me wrong, short course for the most part, right? This isn't I mean it's not a 6800 uh yard course or anything like that, but it's also not but in terms of average definitely a below average course in terms length. So the way you're going to weed this out or the way I would look at it is I'm going to sort by fairways gained and I'm just going to only look at maybe the guys that are also in the top you know 40 or so of strokes gained off the tee. Like a guy like Bernard Longer he pops when you click on fairways gained. He's third in fairways gained. However he is 112 in strokes gained off the tee. Meaning his tee game isn't an advantage to him. Even though he's in the fairway most of the time, it really hasn't proved to be an advantage for longer. So who are some of the guys that are in the fairway, but also have somewhat of an advantage off the tee? Colin Morikawa, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Corey Connors, Abe Anser, and Siwoo Kim are the guys that pop there. From the 400 to 450 yard range, this, this is going to be the most common, almost half of the holes on this course are between 400 and 450 yards. Who does that suit? Well, Abe answer again, Jordan Spieth, Miliano Grillo, Zach Johnson, Jason Scribner, Patrick Cantlay, Cameron Tringali, Stuart Sink, John Rahm, Brendan Todd. The long par threes. There's two of them, I believe, over 225 yards. That is going to be important, right? I mean, you may want to tread water on those par threes, the longer par threes, right? Get it out there, get up and down for par, move on. However, if you can score on those par threes, you are at a huge advantage. Who does that well? Alex Noren, Mark Leishman, DJ, Higo, Corey Connors, Danny Willett, Abe Answer. Again, I've said Abe Answer's name a lot. Now, Answer is not someone who immediately comes to mind at a link-style course. He actually has not played link-style courses very well or very often. So, he may be like a top 20 bet for me. I, I can't pull the trigger on an answer outright, despite the fact that I've pretty much said his name for every stat thus far. Okay, so now let's look at the, the anecdotal, not really anecdotal stats, but uh, more generic stats in terms of this tournament. The first is par 70 players, right? Guys that play well um, when there are only two par fives. Dustin Johnson, Xander, Morikawa... Harris English, Bryson, Lucas Glover, Russell Henley, Webb Simpson, Brooks, Kepka round out the top 10 there. How about guys that play well on difficult courses? Number one is Morikawa, DJ, Xander, John Rahm, Daniel Berger, Charlie Hoffman, Corey Connors, Vic Hoblin, Louis Oosthuizen. Now, what's the common theme there? On a difficult course, the cream rises to the top. Par 70 as well, you're gonna get the best par four scores. I think I mean Morikawa is an outright for me at this point. I found him at 33 to one, despite the fact that his name is Colin Morikawa. If you rate out first in my statistical model and you're 33 to one, that's an outright bet. Set aside the fact that I love betting on Colin Morikawa. I've hit him every time that he has had an outright win. Um, You know, he's just made me a lot of money over the last year. The, probably the good thing is that Morikawa does not play. He's not a grinder that plays every single week. Um, because then I probably would have lost money on him if I was betting him every single week. But, you know, he only plays once or twice a month. He kind of picks his spots. And for that, I'm grateful. But I will put money on him at the, uh, the Open Championship. Uh, one of the things about Morikawa is... His around the green game isn't great. We all know that. His putting isn't great, right? So short game is not the best. He wins tournaments when he's in the fairway and he's sticking it to ten feet and he's rolling in putts. When he gets a little bit off with the irons, um, that's when he struggles, right? And we all know that. It's not something that is uh, a mystery. When Morikawa wins a tournament. Or is in contention, which he normally always is. He's sticking his irons. He's rolling in the putts. It's, it's the putter that has to get hot. Some weeks he does. He gets hot with the putter. Um, at a link style course, which he also doesn't have much experience, you can putt a little bit more. Uh, and I would say that his putting has gotten better a little bit uh, in terms of uh, relative to his, to his chipping, to his around the green game. His putting is kind of trending in the right direction. And you can putt off the green a lot on a Lynx course. So I think Morikawa is set up well. Um, He's going to be an outright. I love his mental toughness. You know, if he's in contention, he is not wavering. You know, he's not making a mental mistake for the most part. Uh, Other guys are going to have to beat him. He's not going to beat himself. Love that about him. He's an outright bet. My other outright bet is Xander. Found him at 20-1. to And... He rates out 2nd on par 70s, 3rd on difficult courses, and he has a great amount of success at Lynx courses. He's 13th in total strokes gain on Lynx courses. Um, I just, you know, he's 12th in approach right now. He's up there in um, opportunities gained. He hits a bunch of fairways. I really like Xander a lot. Obviously, his issue is around the green as well, but like I just said, Maybe he'll be able to putt a few more balls that he would have had a chip on, uh, you know, a traditional style course. By the way, I am not a fan of Lynx golf. I've played one Lynx course in my my life. Um, But just, and listen, I like the Open Championship. I love waking up real early. It's on. It's classic, right? But, you know, when you're watching on TV an Open Championship, a British Open, the Scottish Open... Um, these link style courses in England, in Scotland, in Ireland, it just doesn't appeal to my eye as a, a tra- I'll call them a traditional course, right? I like to see the, the vibrant colors. I like to see green. I like to see trees. Um, you know, when you're watching Lynx golf, it, it basically just, you know, the whole screen just looks like tan and, like, faded green. It almost looks like there's something wrong with the color on your TV because of the way the link style courses. Uh, to each their own. I know some people love that, absolutely love link style golf. They love the classic, uh, you know, Scottish. That's the way it's supposed to be played. That's the type of course you're supposed to play on. Golf? Not for me. Not for me. Playing or watching, to be honest. Um... My second bet though is definitely going to be Xander. I think he stacks up well. He's played well in Lynx courses. He plays well in tough, tough fields. I like Xander at twenty to one. That are those are the only two bets that I've made to this point. I'm probably going to make about two or three more outrights. Obviously, check FanShare Sports. Uh, probably tomorrow, Tuesday, for my final card. Um, might add some stuff on Wednesday. Who knows. Bryson is interesting, man He has not a great track record At at Lynx style courses, at Open Championships He is not in great form So why do we like him? Well, I think it's the mystery of him not having played a, A Lynx course Since turning into Bomber Bryson Um you know, I, I'm fearful that his accuracy off the tee is going to get him in a lot of fescue, which, you know, this isn't like five inches of of rough at a U.S. Open where he can muscle it out. Like the 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 fescue at a at an Open Championship is brutal. Um, you know, like you're lucky if you can get the club on it and just punch it sixty feet back into the fairway. In some instances. So that'll be troublesome. Um there are some drivable holes though. You know like when I see 400 yards to 450 yards as eight of the 18 holes, I think man if he you know whether he's with the wind or with against the wind um or the you know the wind is swirling, Bryson's length is going to be a huge advantage. Uh, I mean if the wind is at his back, right? If he has a if he's downwind, he's going to get to the green. If the wind is in his face, he's still going to be 50 to 80 yards further than everybody else. Uh, so that's an advantage as well. If he can just keep it somewhat in play at 33 to 1, I'm very close to pulling the trigger on Bryson as well. And then I'll probably have um, you know, one or two more guys probably at 50 or longer for my outright card. Some of the guys that I like, uh, just in general... For first-round leader, DraftKings, top 10, top 20, I will give to you right now, as always, the final guys that I am taking on DraftKings. I usually write up, you know, my four or five outrights, and then, you know, between like six and ten guys that I think are good, first-round leader, place bets, slash DraftKings bets, they all come from the kind of the same pool. Those final will all be up on Fansharesports.com Uh no later than Tuesday night. Okay, so Patrick Reed is interesting. You know, he always pops in in tough fields. He's rating out well in strokes gained approach. He is a great he's a magician around the greens, and that's kind of what you need here if you're not hitting the greens. You know, anytime that I think the final score, the winning score is gonna be five under, seven under Patrick Reed's the guy. I do like Jordan Spieth. I think his his outright number is a little too short, but I do like him on DraftKings, I'll probably have a, a place bet on Abraham Answer, I like him on DraftKings as well. He rates out, I mean, as we talked about, he was in like the top 10 of half the stats um, that we put into the model. I don't think he can get uh, the win here at Royal St. George, but I do think that he will probably place high. So I like a, a first round leader, top 10, 20 DraftKings on him. Uh, Charlie Hoffman. I mean, he's just been playing exceptional. He is top 20 in approach, stroke screen off the tee, opportunities gained, um, difficult courses, current form, putting, the wedge distances. Like, he's just playing really well. He is a little bit erratic off the tee, so I I worry a little bit there. But I do like Hoffman. Um, I really like Brian Harmon this week. I'm not a Brian Harmon guy. Uh, whatsoever I actually don't like when Brian Harmon is someone that my research lands on because I don't like playing him on DraftKings betting him etc but I mean he's another guy that he hits fairways and it's not to the detriment of his strokes gain off the tee he's eighth in fairways gained, 47th in strokes gain off the tee so not terrible shorter course he's live here um, he's really good around the green he's a good putter he plays well in difficult fields, he plays well in par 70s, he's in good form. I don't really see, I mean, his his approaches haven't been crazy accurate uh, as of the last two months or so, but I definitely think he can be a top 10, top 20 bet, uh, a DraftKings play, a first round leader type play. I like Terrell Hatton, I like Harris English. Hatton, obviously... This is somewhat of his bread and butter, you know, link-style course, grind it out. Uh, he's really good from the proximity ranges. He is solid off the tee. I think Hatton can can definitely get it done. Harris English, obviously in good form, coming up the win. Um, he's very good around the greens, right? So there's there's a little bit of a theme here. Either immaculate ball strikers or guys that can get up and down. Uh, I think, you know, they're, those are the two guys... That I am looking at this week. He's awesome on par 70s. He rates out there's no there's really no alarming stat for Harris English across the board. So I do like him this week. Obviously, Paul Casey. He is uh obviously from England, right? So home field advantage type thing going on here. He's second in approach, 27th in opportunities gained. He, you know, fifteenth in link style scoring. Um is just a really good lynx style player. He's top twenty five in par seventy and difficult courses, so I don't mind Paul Casey. Obviously, his his tee game is can get erratic, right? Sometimes he is left and right off the tee, but I do like Paul Casey in terms of of DraftKings maybe a top ten ish. So let's go rapid fire here down the line. And I will tell you um, guys from each price range that I'm considering on DraftKings. Scotty Scheffler probably be popular in that 800 range. But I do like Tony Fino. I think he won't be popular. Um, he's kind of falling off the map in terms of form. People are kind of getting sick of him. I like Tony Finau. He great uh, major history um, in the 7k range. Obviously Cameron Smith comes to mind when uh you think you know around the green putting kind of magic up and down type stuff Cameron Smith is someone that comes to mind there he's also a good par seventy player and then he rates out pretty well from the proximities with the you know the wedge distances the hundred to, hundred twenty five and one twenty five to one fifty so I like Cameron Smith obviously magic Matthew Fitzpatrick just almost won the Scottish Open he's going to be popular. But he definitely, I mean, he's great off the tee, great putter. Gotta like Matthew Fitzpatrick here as well. Um, I do like Daniel Berger just a little bit. I'm afraid he's going to be super popular, right? 7,400, he should probably be a little bit more than that. But he does rate out 17th in the model. A good pivot is Christian Bezedenhut, I think. Um, Terrible off the tee. But really everything else um, falls into place. For Bazet and Hoot, he is a good links player, is in pretty good form, good from the wedge distances. So I think Bazet and Hoot is in play a nice pivot. Um, I like Ian Poulter. You know, Poulter's a guy who's great around the green as well. Very good putter, good form, good difficult course player. I like Ian Poulter. I like Matt Wallace, too. So, you know, the the overseas guys are coming in to play here. Um, I like Russell Henley. I think this lower 7K range is going to be um, where this tournament is won. Obviously, Harmon is down there. Uh, I like Guido, too. Uh, Corey Connors is interesting. He rates out 21st in the model. Great on approach. Good off the tee. Um, not a, historically a very good Lynx player, really not someone who comes to mind when you think Lynx golf, but really good from the par four, hits fairways, good from the par three distances, um, you know, is a really good difficult course player. So I think Corey Connors is interesting. As well as we dip down into the 6Ks, everyone's talking about Sam Burns, right? Because no one can believe that Sam Burns is 6,300. Right off the bat, I cross Sam Burns off. Um, he's 27th in the model, so you know someone that I would normally consider. But if he's going to be 25 to 30 percent owned, just I'll uh, I'll take. Let's look in this range to see who is someone that I may look to pivot from. If I had an extra hundred dollars, I would probably bump up to Chris Kirk. Um, You know, I think. His form is excellent. He's playing just as well as Sam Burns. He plays Link's course as well. He plays difficult course as well. I like Chris Kirk. I think, um, you know, CT Pan is interesting in that range. The thing is, with me, you know, let's see who else we have here. Um, Joel Damon's only a few more. Lucas Glover's only 200 more. Miliano Grio uh, Sewol Kim, Charlie Hoffman, uh, Kevin Streelman, even. Like, all those guys are in the 6K range. All those guys are going to be like a third of the ownership of Sam Burns. And this is where game theory comes into play, right? Do I think Sam Burns has a chance to finish top 10, top 20, you know, have a really good Open Championship? Sure. Is his ownership going to be way higher than his... Expectation of finishing in that top 10, top 20 range? Yes. Do I think the eight guys in the 6K range that are only $100, $200, $300 more than him have just as good of a shot as finishing in the top 10 or 20? Yes. So in that instance, it's not that I don't like Sam Burns or don't think that he's going to play well, right? He just won two months ago uh, on tour. I just think that it's not much of an advantage to have Sam Burns in your lineup this week. If he wins and he's 20% owned or 18% owned, that means the other five guys in your lineup are now facing the other five guys in 20% of lineups that also have Sam Burns, right? When when you're talking about a guy all the way down here in the 6Ks, I'm not about it if they're going to be that ownership, right? The only time I'll play a guy that is going to be 20% owned is if I think he is going to win the golf tournament and is a class player, right? Like I'll play a 20% Rom, I'll play a 20% Justin Thomas. Um if I really think that they are going to to come out first, second, third, something like that. I don't think that Sam Burns has that equity at, at 20% on. I just don't. All right, for my final card for the open championship, I'll probably add an outright or two, maybe three, and then I will have my final top 10, 20 bets first-round leaders, DraftKings plays, on FanshareSports.com. Head over there Wednesday to see who I lock in for the Open Championship. Good luck in all of your Open Championship contests, and come up with a better name for vacationing with toddlers.